Hello and welcome to the 1L2N podcast. I am Amy and I'm joined by regular people today. Missy? Hi. Mike? Hello. Tommy? Good afternoon. And our regular guest, Liam? Yo. We are a family of weirdos and a group of creatives going through the story writing process and we're bringing you along for the ride. Let's get into it. And by it, I mean our Lord and Savior, Keanu Reeves. Kind of oh, oh, sexy. Oh, yeah. What do you want to talk about first? The uh, Matrix r- Resurrection trailer dropping or the best movie he's been in, Speed? I haven't Speed. seen the trailer. I, I have avoided the trailer, to be honest. Eh, but I don't know. The, the trailer is not really interesting to me. Yeah, the trailer is just, I just would rather watch the movie. All right. So did everybody not watch the trailer then? No, I watched it. Okay. Yeah, I did too. It just it, I, it got me less excited for the movie, I, I feel like. And why was that, Tom? The, the hard-punching nostalgia that they're going for. I mean, all the, the, they, they were just like hitting every right nostalgia note. So it's like, I want to go see The Matrix. But for me, I was like, eh. And like... I, I like the question I guess it's it's trying to ask, but I have to go see the movie because this trailer is not really making me interested. The only thing that interested me about the trailer is that it was the same day release on HBO Max. So I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. You're like, oh, I will see that movie now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I still wanted to see it, but I I don't know. Well, I feel like well, because well. we knew it was coming, it, it doesn't really feel like a surprise. Like, well, there's another Matrix. You're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess to me it wasn't like, oh, there's another Matrix. Like, I didn't really have a super desire to see it. But then I saw the trailer and it was way different than I thought it was going to be. And I think I predicted the entire plot of it, which actually makes me more excited because it's just a little bit weirder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, okay. So for me, it actually helped me get more excited for it. I can't wait to go to theater slash HBO Max, not a sponsor. And watch it. <laughs> they, sh- they, sh- um, they fucking should be at this point. Do you know how many times we watch movies because of HBO? Yeah. Um, so TV shows. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I guess that kind of like brings me to something I wanted to talk about is movie trailers. Um, before we get into the the broader scope of Keanu Reeves, <laughs> I know that a bunch of us do the same thing when we watch movie trailers. Like we will either watch them for right. Forget all that I said. Why do we watch movie trailers and why do we choose to not watch movie trailers is the broad question that I wanted to uh, point out in the beginning. Well, I mean, we watch movie trailers to get hyped about a movie, right? And to get like really excited and to get that sneak peek because we want to be able to see a little bit about the movie before it comes out. Because if we have to wait so many months in order to see this movie, we're like, I fucking want to see something. But the problem is that I feel like movie trailers reveal too much and so i find myself especially if i know i'm really excited for a movie i won't watch the movie trailer because i don't don't want to be spoiled for anything i completely agree i am one of the people who is probably the most adamant about not wanting spoilers about anything to do with a movie like sometimes even the name i'm like why why you do this i i don't watch movie trailers typically at all unless it's not something that I'm like if it's a movie I'm not really interested in seeing 
then I might watch a trailer because someone wants to show it to me. But if it's something I'm really excited about, I do not listen to trailers to the point where I plug my ears and hum to myself in a theater during the trailer parts. Well, I think it, it, that is kind of the thing that I do as well. I will watch a movie trailer when I am not interested in seeing the movie or when yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I want to see this or not. And then I'll watch it. And oftentimes there will be spoilers. Sometimes it'll get me hyped for it. Sometimes it'll get me like, well, that was really stupid. I don't want to do it. Um, but if it is a movie that I'm going to see, then I will watch the trailer. Or will, I'm sorry, I will not watch the trailer because I, I already know that I'm going to go see it and I can see things in trailers that I can put together in my mind that'll either spoil it or it'll give me false expectations about something that's going to happen. And exactly. I just don't want that to happen anymore. I'm very much like Missy. Where when I go see a movie, I usually just like plug my ears and close my eyes uh, when I'm, you know, seeing the trailers or I get really annoyed because there's like 10 trailers before a movie. And that's why the movie industry is dying, not COVID. (laughs) (laughs) They are. Yeah. It's like a half an hour of trailers before the movie even starts. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to pay $12 to watch another Twilight trailer. Like, stop. First of all, how dare you? Uh, I'm the exact same way with the movie trailers. I, If I'm not interested, I just watch it, and I'm like, oh, now I'm interested. Pretty much what I did with the most recent Marvel trailers, because I was like, I'm not really that interested in Marvel, and then I watched the trailers, and I was like, mm, okay, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did with the the most recent Spider-Man trailer, is that I wasn't going to watch it, because I was I, I 100% knew some of the stuff that's going to happen, and I, I just... I want to go in there, you know, fresh and clean. But then I saw it on like YouTube was recommending it to me. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm watching this. And I watched it and was so disappointed in myself for watching it, but also so hyped now for this movie, even more so than I was before. So it's like a double-edged sword because it's like you want to get more hyped for it. But at the same time, I'm like kicking myself because I wish I, I had just waited, you know? Yeah. I think for me, watching the Force Awakens trailer, I was all about that. I think the reason I wanted to watch that trailer, I knew I was going to see it anyway, but I actually decided to watch it because I wanted to see what they were going to visually do with Star Wars and if they were going to go back to like, you know, the original series or if they're going to go to the prequel series or do something completely different. And so at that point, I was like all about it. And the music was, you know, on point. Everything was great. And there's a couple movies I do that with here and there. But for the most part, I just I don't think trailers to me are an important selling point of a movie unless I am on the fence about it. Um, I oftentimes oh, yeah. just point. if it's a director, I know that's really great or a writer or, you know, an actor I've, I really enjoy. Then maybe I'll go see that movie. But for the most part, um, you know. I just don't really care about trailers, except for I, the new Matrix one, which was fun. Um, I will say <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is to go back and watch old movies, trailers. And I, by old, I yeah. mean like even just 20 years ago, which I guess is old, but whatever. Because it's really fun to see how much trailers have changed. Because previously, it was just trying to get you interested in a movie without kind of revealing too much. Whereas like now it's like, here's the whole story, but like condensed. So you got to figure out how it really goes by watching it. So it's really fun to go back and watch like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves trailers and to 
realize like the trailer has nothing to do with the movie. It's just like it's about Robin Hood. You should and look at these people in it. You should come watch it. <laughs> They're just so so different. I think from the movie, which is why trailers previously I think were good, but now. They're kind of a mess. Yeah. Because of how spoilerly they are. Sometimes I feel like the people who are essentially directing the trailer, right? They're making their own story out of the trailer. And they'll use music that's not in the movie. So that makes it kind of misleading from an audio standpoint. But then they're like trying to formulate the start and end in the trailer itself. And you wind up being misled with the direction that movie's going in. It'll set things up that just don't happen that way. Or even to the point where you see clips that aren't even in the movie. That drives me absolutely nuts. When there's stuff put into a trailer that you won't see in a movie. Because it's like, wait a minute, why is this? What's happening here? So yeah, when I see a movie that I really enjoy, one of the first things I do after getting home from seeing the movie is turning around and watching the trailer for yeah. it. Yeah, I know in um Avengers Infinity War they uh changed a lot of the clips in the trailer so that you would think it's gonna go one way. They tried to misdirect you so that the reveal of how Infinity War really went would be a lot more shocking and be a lot more different than mm-hmm. how the you were made to believe in the trailer. Civil War used a brief clip that wasn't in the movie. They had, it was a completely different edit from a scene made. It, it set one tone for that scene when, as opposed to how, like when you watched it, it was a completely different tone as it occurred. So it was for me very confusing because I felt like really like, whoa, the weight of this in the, in the trailer is completely different than the weight of it, that moment in the movie. So I think, well, uh- I, very similar guardians of the galaxy did something where they're all walking into the prison and Drax is in that scene with them walking in. But in the actual cut of the film is just another prisoner because they haven't met Drax yet. So, you know, I I understand the need to try and have those moments where you can showcase all of the characters together, you know, and try and introduce an audience to it. Um, But I do not like when it is slightly misleading, I feel like it's, you know, wrapping the product up in a a packaging Mm -hmm. that does not represent the internal contents. Yeah. If you have to manipulate the trailer, then you're not good at making trailers. I will say a guilty pleasure of mine. And I know it's one of the things that people hate about trailers. I love trailer music. Like I like when they take like a pop song and they turn it creepy or when they take like an old nursery rhyme and they turn it epic. I I live for those moments. They're so good. And that's why I like when watching trailers, I whether it's after the movie or whatever, they are, I don't know, they're so, they're purposely trying to get you to watch this movie, right? And so I find trailer music is just, ah, it's just so cool. And I know people hate it so much, but I just think it's, I don't know, I really, really like it. I think they did one where it was like, they were singing like the national anthem or something like that, but it was like all creepy. And I was like, got chills while listening to it. I was like, Ooh, this is great. Never saw the movie, but I think I mean, it was the purge or something. I don't remember. That's the entire purpose of trailer music. Like the score is not usually, or is never done usually when the, um, the trailer comes out. So what they're doing is they're either sampling previous, uh, scores. If it's like a sequel or it's part of a series, or they're going to use something that a broad audience would recognize 
and then twist it to everyone's like, oh, it's slightly different, but also I recognize that music. Oh, this sounds cool. I want to see it. Yeah. Like trailer music is all about manipulation. Yeah. And they see, I actually don't. It's one of my least favorite trends in most trailer musics nowadays is to take a song that is not going to be incorporated or has no real bearing on it. Like if it was a James Gunn movie or if it was like a Zack Snyder movie who would, that has like a lot of pop songs just thrown in there, then I would expect the trailer music to coincide with the music that's inside of it. But when it's something like the Matrix trailer we just watched and it has a pop song through the background, it was super distracting to me because all it's doing is saying, hey, audience, you're familiar with this thing. So now you're more comfortable with watching the trailer that you're doing. And it's not trusting the content of the trailer itself to promote it. See, I look at it from a different standpoint. I really enjoy the trailer music for what it is and for that moment that it gives you that creepiness. It might not have anything to do with the movie. And yes, it is slightly disappointing when it's not in the movie, but I also just really enjoy the music in general. Like I would listen to a playlist of just trailer music because I don't care what the trailer is from or what movie it's from. I don't care. It's just, I think they're enjoyable songs and I really like the creativity of taking those well-known songs and manipulating mm. them to to sound a certain way. I understand what you're saying though about how it's like it's giving like a false pretense of what the movie is going to be and if it's not even in the movie like what's the point? I get that. But I just meant in general like I like the music <laughs> in general. They're, I just think they're really fun. I, I feel like I'm on the fence about trailer music because a lot of trailer music feels very samey it's like, okay, I know this this trailer music trope. Okay, cool, whatever. But I do feel there's two companies or groups that do it really well. Two-Way is one of them. They love when they remix something for a freaking trailer. Oh my gosh, do they do it with absolute excellence. Uh, I feel like that's the only trailer mu- music people that I personally will listen to that's going to be a song that's guaranteed going to be remixed. Like, I love that. Uh, another great trailer music company that actually, if I'm not mistaken, they almost do all originals is uh, Kings and Creatures. They do some weird ass shit. And I love uh, original trailer music is I am all for and they do it and they're not really well known. So that's just, you know, if you guys want to check them out, Kings and Creatures is pretty good. Nice. You said Kings and Creatures in King- two way? Kings and Creatures really good. Two way remixes their most of the songs that they do like i'm pretty sure the most recent battlefield 2042 trailers that's been two-way they they do a lot oh yeah video game trailers are okay if if we're going to talk about trailers we have to talk about video game trailers because video game trailers are such bullshit i yeah they can get you hyped about a game but i hate when they have a trailer where it's it's just a cutscene from the game it's not actually the game itself and i'm like i want that trailer to show me actual gameplay i don't want you to show me like the cutscene. and so when you play a game where it's like like starcraft starcraft has amazing cutscenes, but then you play the game and it's nothing like the cutscenes, which is fine but then don't give me a trailer where the only thing that i'm seeing about this new game is the cutscene because that has nothing to do with the gameplay and that's 
stupid. Well, I think a lot of times video games are now doing story trailers and they're doing gameplay trailers. So you can get that very big distinction between them. Now, not every company does that. They'll just do like teaser trailers and stuff. And usually that's all going to be, you know, story based because you want to show your most polished production stuff. But gameplay is a hard thing to put into a trailer because you have to have a bunch of small moments that a player is then choosing to do and edit them down and show cool stuff. Um, I've been watching a couple of trailers for Metroid Dread, which is going to come out. It's the fifth game in the Metroid series, and it's been like 20 years since a Metroid game came out in a 2D platform, which is its original style. And uh, the gameplay clips they do are so quick and brief. It's meant for veterans of the series to go like, oh, okay, I know what kind of suit Samus is wearing there. Or, oh, that's a cool special attack I haven't seen before. But it is not an actual like, well, how would I play this? How can I approach it? It's just to kind of give you a taste of what might be there and let you put it together themselves. But I would prefer, honestly, just like a let's play as a gameplay trailer where they sit down for 10 minutes and they say, all right, we're going to play this like first level and you can see if you like it or not. That to me is more interesting than anything else. I would definitely agree. Show me the game. Show me people and how they're actually attempting to get through a game and decisions to make and their their reactions to it as well yeah yeah like whenever i go on steam and i'm trying to figure out if i want to play a game or not i'll usually go onto youtube and see if there's a let's play and watch somebody play it for a few minutes to see if i want to to play it because that will get me more hooked than watching like a games trailer or whatever Oh, Which is actually, I mean, or I'll just ask, you know, one of you guys like, hey, how do you like it? And you're like, get it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> or be like, I already own it. I've just never played it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, it. that's me. <laughs> so in conclusion, I guess, watch trailers sometimes. Trailer music is good and bad. Gameplay <laughs> trailers are mixed. Yeah, basically. Uh, gameplay, gameplay trailers are trash. Don't, don't watch gameplay trailers. Watch gameplay. Yeah, didn't you watch a gameplay trailer for Battlefield 2042 and you were like, oh my god, this looks like the greatest thing ever. Everybody should yeah, buy it. But Everybody everyone knows pre-order. I get hyped instantaneously. Yeah, like uh, Cyberpunk, so you gotta, that was... You gotta, exactly. <laughs> See, you were point, so hyped point on that for taken. so long. It's a great fucking game. But, the point taken, I, I like watching trailers because I like getting... I like being surrounded in the hype for the trailer and like seeing everyone's reaction. In reality, I like I know what, what's gonna go down. Like I knew Cyberpunk was gonna be a <laughs> a very unoptimized game, and it was. But I guess people look at trailers sometimes, and they're like, they're like, this looks like the greatest thing ever. But you gotta realize, like underneath this is they're they're showing you the best of the best, of course, because that's how advertising works. It's also so, probably all that's completed. Yeah, exactly. Like. I love, I absolutely love being hyped, but in reality, it's like they're, yeah, they're showing me everything that's been completed, and it might only be like 2% of what's completed, so. I will say when watching the Cyberpunk trailer and seeing that Keanu Reeves was in it, I was like, what that, that's Keanu Reeves, like that's straight up Keanu Reeves, that's not, like, I thought it was such good graphics, I was like, holy cow, that's like, that's freaking amazing, like that looks so good, and I'm 
remember Tommy specifically like, I know, right? Is he, oh my God, you should play it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, one of the such a big name in your games, uh, such oh. an accomplished actor who has done some of the best action movies ever, like Speed. That was <laughs> I mean, a okay. great transition, by the way. <laughs> that was a great transition. That's why I was like, I hey, Cyberpunk. I that, I and it just sounded terrible. <laughs> yeah, see, Speed is so good. First of all, Keanu Reeves, amazing. Speed, amazing. Well, we all want, Mike wanted to talk about Speed like multiple episodes ago, but like we hadn't really watched it. So we've all watched it since. We did our homework. We have seen it. And now we are going to talk about this beautifully glorious movie. So before anyone says anything, this was Liam's first time seeing the movie. So I would like to get his reaction to it. Oh, yeah. Having be good. seen a mid-90s movie in 2021. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh. Excellent. All right. Oh God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Such a standing ovation. <laughs> I, I do want to also preface this by saying Keanu Reeves is not really a good actor, but nope. he... he <laughs> Agreed. He, he is good at what he does in those yeah. types of movies. Like in the John Wick movies, he is great. He fits the role perfect. And the same thing in the Matrix movies, he fits it. Speed is a great example of a Keanu Reeves role where your acting doesn't have to be like anything super in depth, but it does have to show a little bit of emotion and caring. But, you know, just don't go too overboard. It's about a bus. He he shows up to the movie and just lets the movie carry him in like every movie he's ever in. So first of all, I love Speed. I love Speed since I... Like saw it when I was probably way too young to watch it, and I I watched it uh, ah, like two years ago, and I remember really enjoying it and thinking like ah like still really enjoying it, and then when Mike was like you should definitely watch it again, watched it again, and I honestly guys I gotta say I think it's now part of my top three. Really, it Damn. I you can hate me all you want. Top I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, movies. Curse of the Black Pearl, that is that is obviously top. Always will be top for me. <laughs> but I think Speed has now become it's just so good. It's so it it's so, so suspenseful. Good. And the music is so beautiful. And bam, honestly. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. <laughs> it's so 90s. It's crazy. Oh, but it's but it's 90s in the be- it's like the beautiful it's celebration of 90s. Peak 90s. It's like, 90s yeah. at its best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're so right. <laughs> So I, I've got a slight thesis. When I rewatched it, I, I was like, I think that this is a really great movie. And I think it's one of the best action scripts written. And I think that's why it makes it such a fun movie that like Liam can see when it came out like 10 years before he was born and he can still go. Yeah, it's pretty good uh, is because it's it's really well written. It's got a lot of small setups and payoffs that you don't realize throughout the script. But when you go and look at it, it it all flows together in a way that illogical action sequences suddenly become logical. And they go, oh, well, yeah, of course, that would make sense because they already introduced this element. So for a great example of it is in the movie when he finally gets on the bus and he has to look at the bomb, they pull a little drawer off the the bottom of the the center aisle and he can like dip down and look under the bus. Mm-hmm. That's your setup right there. It's like there's these panels in the floor that you can remove to see under the bus. 
your payoff comes way later in two forms. First of all, when he has to take another panel up because he's like stabbed a gas tank and he's holding on underneath the bus. And it's like, oh yeah, they can easily get him out from under the bus because there's this panel there and it's already established that. And then later on, that same panel is used as an escape from the bus. So it's like they, they do these small things in step that is a really like smart writing that makes ridiculous parts of action more believable. And I think that's why I love the movie so much. I completely agree. Establishing your get out of jail free cards for later on makes it less uh, gimmicky unless uh well where did that come from you just accept that okay this makes perfect sense why this can happen because it's already been established that it can't happen i think that i just had it in my brain editor please do not take this out (laughs) (laughs) no promises I this is literally what it's like living in my brain is I have a thing and I I looked over for a second at something else and I was like oh that's pretty and I looked back I was like fuck Uh what did I want to say Amy (laughs) if I can make a suggestion I always keep documents open and as I come up with an idea I type quickly into it so that no my brain doesn't work so another small setup and payoff they drive into the airport and the tire gets punctured that automatically tells you without being like, well, the tire just blew randomly. You go, okay, yeah, I could totally see why they would have spike guards at the start of the airport. And I see why the bus traveling in the wrong way really quick would hit them. Now it's going to make sense that the tire is going to start shredding rubber and that rubber is going to be on the track, which is going to make a more suspenseful climax to that bus sequence when he's underneath. Like everything in there is just very small put together in tiny little ways that you don't notice it until you go back and watch it again and you go, oh yeah, of course that they would do that because it makes this other thing make sense. It's subtle but intentional. Yeah. Like the there, whole there is a- tipping, like trying to not let the bus tip over when they take that really ugly turn. It's like no one would have intentionally sent them or send yeah no one would intentionally send them into such an ugly turn to get onto this brand new freeway area but by having an incident where they miss their turn and it's completely plausible for them to miss their turn because of what happened they then have to take this awful ugly turn which makes it more dramatic for the movie but also realistic why they have to put that there and the sequence where they're driving on the off-ramp of the highway and that's a really sharp turn and they're smashing into all those cars, that also like lets you know, okay, this bus can take kind of really sharp turns at fast periods yeah. that you, you probably would hard flip over and normal. ugly. <laughs> yeah, it just raises the stakes on the next time that that has to come up in the script. Um, I will say a lot of the movie is actually very believable. Like for the most part, you're fully immersed because it's not like some really weird, ridiculous, outlandish thing. Like, of course, because there's like a bomb on the bus, like that's weird and outlandish. But it's all very believable that you're like you you're so sucked in because you're like, oh, my gosh, like this could happen. This could happen. I would say the only thing that that's like not believable in my eyes 
is when the bus jumps the 50 foot gap. That is the only time we're like, okay, I'm taking out a little bit. Uh, This is 90s action. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's totally not believable, but it's also really cool. And they just like play it off like they're going to die anyway, which is great. It's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The way. It's the emotion behind that moment that really drives the ridiculousness ridiculousness of that moment kind of away and you're more focused on oh my gosh are they going to make it rather than yeah that they could never fucking make that yeah <laughs> and i mean they did jump a bus but it had like rocket assists on a ramp and you know it was all Hollywood yeah, exactly. up, so. which is why it had that upward trajectory point yeah when in fact it the, <laughs> the ramp that they showed leveled out it's oh, perfect yeah. level with where they were supposed to be landing. It's like, uh, you guys didn't really think that one out, did you? I and I will say, as far as like graphics go, it is it holds up very well today. Like, there's nothing really it's that's all super practical, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. all practical, and it and it still looks really good today. Yeah, because um, it wasn't a bunch of computer graphics. They were like either actually doing stuff manipulating how they were doing it or using oh crap what are they called models yeah yeah Yeah, miniatures like with Uh, the train scene yes yeah yeah, i was gonna say that the only thing that that i say is kind of like a little ridiculous is the part where his like head pops off (laughs) no it's great but no no no, it's still great it's the only like, like manipulated part of the film yeah yeah exactly um, I will say, okay, so I was watching it. I just mm-hmm. watched it last night and I had to stop and I was like, because I was watching it while I was talking to Tommy. The very beginning, <laughs> when the first bus explodes, there is a van that's like 150 to 100 feet in front of the bus and you can clearly see a cord that is attached to the van <laughs> and then attached to the bus. <laughs> and in multiple shots, you can see it still attached. And I, I was dying laughing. I was like, "What? These have to sit like." It's thought it was oof. so funny. Some of the editing is also very '90s. Like, there's at least two distinct parts of the film where they clearly re-recorded the the audio oh, the to it. ADR. Oh yeah. <laughs> but oh, then yeah. you know oh, they so just bad. dub. Over what's been filmed, and it's so obvious it's terrible. But I almost feel like it's like, oh, this is definitely a '90s film, so it's, it's laughingly. I works. remember <laughs> it was the 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 bomber guy in the elevator uh-huh. with the first bomb, and they counter Reeves and his partner. They like jump in, uh-huh. and the bomber says, "Shit, shit, shit, shit," and yep. his mouth doesn't move once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. It actually happened again with him where he's like in his little studio apartment or whatever. And he's radioing um, Jack and he like says something to Jack, but his lips and the words do not sync up yeah, at all. Completely different. <laughs> and but that's such a 90s thing to happen. Like, I feel like yeah. you saw that in a lot of films. You just accepted it, you know? I, I feel like the all these mistakes that we're pointing out are like super forgivable because mm-hmm. the script is just wonderful. So good. Oh, uh, so, good. so good. I actually never noticed the van pulling the bus because I was really devastated. And, I, and I'm not joking. Every time I watch that movie, I get so upset for Keanu's coffee and muffin that <laughs> yeah. like, <Yes>! okay. <laughs> are stuck on the car. And I'm like, he's 
he's going to drive off and they're going to spill. He's not going to have breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Like every time I think that. In every movie where somebody puts a cup of coffee on top of their vehicle, you could just guarantee that coffee is going yeah, flying. Fine. Well, if you think about it, that means Keanu Reeves was doing all of that caffeine free and like empty stomach. He oh, is a madman. That's even more impressive. Right. To me, there is one also very big trope in there that I, I didn't realize until watching it this time is the fact that like Dennis Hopper's character is watching a police ceremony for LAPD on TV, which like maybe that happened in the 90s, but I seriously doubt it. Like I, I doubt that they were recording a medal honor ceremony and then like putting it up during the daytime on TV and he was just like happened to be watching it while you know, eating so, a sandwich. He hacked into the system. Wait, no, something that used to happen in the 90s and probably before and after that too. But you know how on like the radio you have a lot of AM programs that will broadcast local things? Uh, you had that with a lot of your TV channels that were just the free airwaves that would broadcast local things. Like you could watch local school sports or local competition, you know, events and they would also broadcast local town kind of ceremonial events so i can completely see that being believable that on some random you know uhf airway there was uh there was a police ceremony that was being broadcast and you know like 17 retired cops were watching that at home <laughs> yeah. it's also uh in the magical land of uh, california so we don't know uh, what happens over there. This is true. You know, Callie does everything different. So <laughs> something that we haven't brought up and I feel like really needs to be addressed. This is probably, at least for me, Keanu Reeves, like peak deliciousness. Oh he is he's very hot in a lot of stuff he does, but I don't know what it is about this movie. He is so hot to me in this movie. And I like <sighs> I would swoon every time I watch it. I just swoon. Um, and maybe that's the 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 romance lover in me, but he's very attractive. Especially when he gets into like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe that too. But him and his like white tea, especially when it gets like dirty a little bit. I don't know why I'm like, why are you? You are such a man right now. (laughs) So just like in Die Hard, he always starts with a white tea and always ends with a charcoal gray one. I, I I really liked Sandra Bullock's performance in general. I thought she was. Oh, she is also beautiful in this movie. She yeah. is very delicious. She she <laughs> is beautiful. Uh, she is like fun to watch on screen. You don't feel like she's ever like losing total control until she you know has the bomb strapped around her at the very end. I don't think, and I, this is a very '90s trope, especially for action movies. I don't think that romance was necessary. You could yep. have just how dare you? It. Yes, it was. No, no. I mean, it's it's so over the top, and it's just like, hey, we just met each other. Let's just let's bang a bunch for the rest of our lives. Like, yeah, that that felt so forced. It yeah. just it's like, oh, you had to end the movie like that. Why? Why you did it? Yeah, I don't think there was enough character buildup to make them like be romantically involved. Yes and no. I don't know. I. Okay. Well. Okay. The elephant in the room is Speed Two, which I've never seen. But Keanu is not in it. Sandra Bullock is. And I'm pretty sure the like the reason why they say that is because, oh, well, 
relationships under duress like never work out. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably the cap, like the thing that they they said to like be like, oh, that's why he's not here. But at the same time, I don't know. I actually, I mean, again, it's the rom- romance lover in me. I loved it. I thought it was so. I I love the dynamic of him like just doing his duty, and then when he finally showed like now he did show real emotion when Harry when he found out like Harry died like yeah it wasn't him, a stranger him. it was his partner so. yeah 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 no I, I like that was like so heartbreaking because like he's like I still have a job to do but he's like so frustrated and and then I I like the dynamic of like I, I just thought it was interesting when when the bad guy is holding Harry hostage compared to when the bad guy is holding Annie hostage because Keanu is very composed and he's like he's like frustrated and angry but he like is like okay I'm I'm doing my job like this is what's going to happen when Harry is being held hostage but then when Annie is held hostage he like loses his mind and I was like oh if only I could get a boyfriend like no, that no like, I, I hate to break it to you but that's not the reason the reason not is not the reason yeah what think of, the reason for what it's because the, of the reason reversal. why he's losing his mind it's because Dennis Hopper figured out a way to put him in the same situation but mm-hmm. making shooting the hostage not an option exactly because she no, has yeah, the okay, bombs yes. on her now so if he shot her it doesn't matter because it's the same thing she could blow up it, it it doesn't he could get away where and that's why he's so angry is because he he's like shit here's somebody who I, I care about and now I can't do the thing that I thought I could do because literally it's not an option for me but let me just live out my romance dreams, okay? <laughs> okay, Amy, if you want to live out your romance dream, think about the moment on the train where she, they both realize that they can't free her. There's no way they can jump and escape. And so she's just crying and begging him, just run. You've got to run. And he refuses, and he just sits down with her oh, in no, silence, like- embraces yeah. for what they assume will probably be their deaths. So... I, I also I chose to stay with her. Have I that moment. Really liked the end of this movie where the train just jumps the tracks and goes through the street and then it's just like, huh, yeah, let's make out. And there's just like credits. <laughs> like it just immediately is like, okay, we don't need any more. No, I like that because yeah, I don't know like it anymore. The, well, I think that plays into a bigger thing going on with this movie is most of your action movies set up the drama of characters at the beginning and maybe, oh, the bad guy's crazy or, oh, the bad guy's angry, you know, whatever. But it's primarily just the drama of the good guys, the protagonists of the story. And then action happens and then wherever the action is happening, like, it just keeps happening until the end and then the good guys reflect. But, yeah, in no reflection needed. Yeah, in this movie, it still has those three uh, acts of the movie, but act one is action, setting up the main characters and the bad guy in a unique action setting. Then act two, the long act, is all the action. And then act three is surprise, more action instead of reflection. Yeah, it it's really like is. we have to reflect while we're acting and there's still more action going. But and then that's it. It's done. Uh, and it's so unique. You don't see that kind of uh, action prog action progression happening like from act to act definitely like there's no climax and resolution it's like 
constantly climaxing and resolving. I I like the way they do it, though, because like, okay, with Marvel movies, you have like the 30 minute fight scene at the end and you're like, okay, and it's like the buildup of emotions before that. And you're like, okay, whatever. But I like this because you are constantly on the edge. Like you're saying, like there is constant action, but there is also constant resolution. And so I think it's a beautiful blend of both of those that you never feel exhausted. It's almost like at the end credits when they're when they're in the um subway car like in the middle of the street or whatever that's when you could finally take a breath because you're like (laughs) like it is a non-stop action-packed movie but in the best way it's not like action-packed really okay we get it you're fighting the bad guy blah 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 blah. it's all about suspense along the way yeah. yeah, the suspense along the way. And that's what makes it so fun to watch because I know how this movie turns out. I've seen it a bunch of times and I was still like, <gasps> like <Right? laughs> watching it. And that's how you know it's a good movie. Like, like so upset when when they think they're about to die multiple different times. Like I was getting emotional and I'm like, I know how this happens. Like, what is wrong with me right now? And that's because it's a good fucking movie. Well, and so, another thing about nice. the way they do it is that in so many action films, it's like, oh my gosh, this is still going. Come on already. Why is this still going? But in this one, you never get tired of the three distinctly different sequences because they spend the appropriate amount of time with the elevators with the bus with the train so that you don't wear out from what's happening and then all of a sudden it kind of refreshes and now you have something new to focus on and be anxious about but it just they do such a good job with the timing of the amount of of time that the script spends on each of the sections that it keeps the movie so fresh and it really helps uh it really helps to push the movie along in an appropriate balance. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think it's very, I I think it's as far as like an action movie goes, I find it's pretty unique as far as like other like eighties and nineties action movies go. Yeah. Doesn't follow any kind of set script or set. um, I would hope it followed a script. (laughs) Well, you know, I know. (laughs) It doesn't no. use any stale patterns of action sequencing. It has its own thing. Also, it's pretty original mm-hmm. as well. Like, I feel like especially in a, in a time where everything is, I mean, I'm sure there was another movie that was like that or that's done like that. But it's pretty original in its concept and it's believable, like, why this guy wants to, I mean, blow up, you know, that. It's believable why this guy would want to blow these things up and why he wants to kind of cause chaos. Not an Um, utter complete stretch compared to so many other ones. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like he's just like a guy who got fucked over and is like mad about it. And he's like, well, I'm going to cause some chaos and get some money based off of it. Well, he, he got the amount that would have been due him had he not been let go from the force because of his injury. Tommy, what did you think of the movie? We haven't heard anything from you. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was peak nineties. I, I mean, I already, I've already seen it, but I hadn't seen it for like ten years. So going into it again, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this again. But then I did. I really enjoyed it. I, and very much so, enjoy the fact that it's not all focused on, like, this is the old overall main problem that we have that's going on. It's like 
here's a little problem that's going on. We need to solve this little problem to help us with the overall problem. Yeah. So each problem that was introduced was because you know, like it, it served the main purpose of the story, and I very much so enjoyed that rewatching it. Uh, I will agree with everyone else, though, that fucking love story bullshit, except for Amy. <laughs> Amy, you're stupid. I will, um, I will die with that ship. <laughs> I, uh, it well, was you so can die on that ship time. in speed, too, Amy. Uh, no, but <laughs> the ship doesn't die. That's the whole point. It's got to go <laughs> I, fast. Like I Sonic. Saw, I saw something and it was like, if you're ever on a vehicle with Sandra Bullock, get off. Get off the vehicle. Because yeah. whether it's so, a bus, a train, a boat, a spaceship, just get off of that. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> you're so right. So the director for Speed <laughs> also directed Twister. Yeah, that, that feel it. it yeah, that feels about That's right. That's interesting because Twister also uses that classic trope of "let me put my beverage on top yeah. of my vehicle." Uh, that's, he does. Uh, that's exactly then drive what away I was thinking of fast. when you were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was too. Okay, Jan Debont. I no Is longer that, like that that guy because <laughs> that's a trope that makes me upset. <laughs> I wonder if that's like his calling card, like, uh, or is it's it my sorry, movie. guy or girl? It's a guy, I think. I, I wonder if there. That's Just his say calling there. card. It's fine. I wonder if that's their calling card. He did Speed, Speed Two, Twister, SLC Punk, The Haunting. It's funny because looking at this Speed, he was uh, nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Director, and for Speed Two, he was nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Director. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Well, because okay, I, I haven't seen speed too but i heard it like turned into more of like a comedy and it was like pg-13 and it was like more way more campy than anything so they took like the gloriousness which is speed and then they just like ruined it because they're like oh yeah let's just do a sequel and they're like it turned out really bad so they did the thing that they like to do in like the 90s and the 2000s which is like if we make it pg-13 it'll sell more Mm -hmm. and then it turns out way worse because they're not being true to the original format of the material. Well, I wonder if they did that because... Wait, no, that's not what I was going to say. I think it's interesting how they made it rated R, just because there was so like much cussing in it and that and like extreme <laughs> intense scenes. But other than that, I mean, I guess the guy's head did get... Yeah, without the language nowadays, it would be PG-13. Yep. Yeah. You can... Liam and I were actually looking and, up um, maybe like a few weeks ago the the qualifications for the different rating systems in america and you can have one f word in a pg-13 as long as it doesn't have anything to do with sexual connotation right yeah and then but if you get two it automatically bumps it into rated r that's or how if the f word is first used. class god yeah exactly yeah, it's uh, movie ratings are you know all subjective and as we get numb to it you know obviously we keep changing Yes. Well, in movie speed ratings, two. Speed 2 is called Cruise Control. Yes. <laughs> Bro. <Sorry. laughs> yeah. um, movie ratings are also not just like a checklist where, okay, this, 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 that, all right, it gets this. It's You do have certain items that can automatically make or break uh, a rating, but it's a group of american citizens who come in and sit down and talk about the movie and then vote on what they think the majority of americans would vote the ranking to be so 
it's very like mike said subjective and subject to just so much change and yeah depends on who happens to be sitting in that room and yeah i i do want to say that for being such a fast action-paced movie we have spent over a half hour talking about speed now so because it's so good yeah yeah basically it's great for uh if you if you look at it from a script writing perspective there's lots of set setups and payoffs the pacing's really nice um it's fun it's campy it doesn't go super overboard when it doesn't need to the romance was unneeded everything is settled it's perfect I i will say this just real quick i also think that it holds up today as far as like if you're watching it, a lot of movies that you watch back in the 80s and 90s or whatever are a little sexist, a little racist, a little homophobic. And that had nothing like there was n- nothing that I could tell that was in that movie that that you consider bad today. You know what I mean? And so the fact that it still holds up as far as being like a decent movie, not only is it a good movie, but it's a decent movie that you can watch today without like those. I don't know what the word would be. Caveats? Is Isms? That I don't know. Those, yeah. But, but like social it's, changes, it's, like things that yeah, we realize it, that weren't good back then, but we do realize now. Like you can still watch that movie. I think there was one small there, thing there, I can't remember on the bus was, between some characters that I was there like, There was a Ew. couple of things. Uh, some character said it. it's not because you're a woman or something like that. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The bad it was the bad guy. Said, it's yeah. not because you're a woman. Yeah. But I don't think that that's bad because, I mean, first of all, it's a bad guy saying it. So it's like, eh, that doesn't, like, whatever. But even then, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that that, as far as, like, watching it in today's standards, it wouldn't get canceled. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it wouldn't get canceled. And I just think that that's cool because that means that it's a good story through and through still. There was actually one social moment in it that I saw for the first time in a new lens and that's when the police first show up alongside the bus. They've got, you know, their flatbed. And you've got um, the the white tourist guy on the one side. I can't remember his name. Alan something. And then you've got three minorities sitting on the other side of the bus. And the, the three minorities are kind of held together. And they go, are they going to help us? And the white guy goes, the, of course, they're the police. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, they kind of yeah. look at him like that doesn't mean anything to us. Yeah. D- and don't you know I never this is LA? Yeah, I, I yeah. never would have have caught that. I never did catch it watching it the hundred times I watched it, you know, growing up and as a teenager. But today, that really took a whole new meaning to me. I just stopped from whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is really interesting looking at it from that standpoint. Yeah, when, when he said we pay their tax dollars, so they're not going to let us die or something like yeah, that. If, which, yeah, if we die, they have to take a pay cut. And I was like, I was like, no, nope, oh, that's not how that works. Yes, yeah. So okay, that line maybe, but overall, yeah, I I still really enjoy it. It's good. Ten out of ten. Yeah. I, I will watch again. I thought there was also something that. One of the passengers said to each other, or something that Keanu said to one of the passengers. I can't remember. Yeah, and I was like, the large Hispanic guy gargantuan. No, no, it was something else. But um, I think that was more to do with his size than the his race. I mean, yeah. he could have easily said, "Sir, I need your help." Yeah. True. Okay. True. <laughs> Ortiz was, is his name. Yeah. Uh, some of these uh, moments were put in because they were 
just trying to have some brief comedic moments in the midst of this very serious chaos happening. And at the time, they were probably hilarious. It just, you know, some things have maybe <laughs> slid <laughs> since then. My and favorite part hard. is when she's like, hey, I just want to let you know that the reason why I'm taking the bus is because I had too many tickets for speeding. I was like, that's yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're a cop, so I need to let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Speeding perfect. You're hired. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We actually need this right now. So you're the most qualified person. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd recommend it to anybody. Any, anybody. Watch it. So good. Today's day and age, she would have gotten off the bus and they would have immediately come over and arrested her for driving with a suspended license. Oh, yeah. Okay. I also, sorry. I know we're still talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they didn't really like sexualize anybody in this movie either like a lot of times it's like oh we're gonna have an action movie and like she like she's not gonna have any clothes by the time that they're done or whatever because oh we have to get people interested it's like it didn't need that and it didn't have that and that was perfect it was just like a good action movie there's no nudity no risque stuff no raunchy jokes or anything it was just action great i, I guess love the, it. at the very end when when she's like He's like, oh, I guess we'll have to like base our relationship off of sex. That's like the only, or she said that I don't remember. Yeah, she said but that's like the only like risque, raunchy thing that they said. But it's not. And it's like the last line of the movie, so it kind of deflated it. But yeah, I I yeah. also do not know of a situation. I don't know if this passed the Bechtel test. Are you guys? Uh, what that can think of. The Bechtel test is, oh. um, it's a, actually really interesting if you know about it and you look at it in movies. It is a basic test of do two female or, you know, woman characters in fiction or in nonfiction or any movie or anything, uh, do they have a conversation with each other that is not about a man or about a man needs or anything like that? It. Yeah, it does pass that test because Annie talked with... Helen about the, how she loved to drive and Helen loved taking the bus. Oh, there you go. It's it's a yeah, an overall concept that if you start looking at a bunch of movies, you realize like how male centric it is, and yeah. it, you you go like, oh wow, we don't even consider women in a lot of movies. And if women talk to each other, it's oftentimes about a man or yep. the man's struggle or something. Yeah. So yeah, you proved me Which, wrong. Which like, yeah. like, okay, you could say like Annie was saying like, is he okay? Is he okay? Like, because she thought she ran over him. But like, I feel like that's fine because it's like in the she moment. So had an extreme reaction to possibly running into a baby. So yeah, that's yeah. It, yeah. But <laughs> it's like it's cans. Don't worry. Yeah, it, it it's not about what's happening in the situation. It's about how like female characters interact with male characters or with others. Like it's just about representation overall. So, yeah, yeah, not every like part of there has to be played into a plot. But if you're going to be writing, you know, a strong female character, that female character can't only interact with males, you know, and it doesn't have to be the lead uh, for a female character. They have to interact and with, you know, you, you just have to think about gender a bunch when you're when you're writing a little bit to be more representative, I guess. But a Bechdel test is, is what it's called. It's it's quite interesting. If you look at a bunch of movies that uh, pass or don't. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. 10 out of 10. Everyone go watch it right now. Oh, and um, also, I'm sorry. There are uh, one other rule that I forgot, which is the two female characters have to have names. Yes. 
It can't just be two random females kind of talking in the background yeah. or whatever. Like female one and female two. Mm-hmm. Does it, do they have to be named uh, before they have the conversation? No, I mean, I don't think you would have to. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, God, I'm just, right. it, yeah. I am looking up right now an article from the BBC um, and it is culture. The British blah, Broadcasting blah, 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 Company. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Yeah, Amy, of course. <laughs> God. No, Get your horny out of the gutter. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that because a lot of people are like, BBC, what? And you're like, that British Broadcasting Company. Just clarifying. The picture features at least two women, extra points if those women have names, rather than the redhead at a cocktail party. Two, the women talk to each other. And three, they talk to each other about something other than men. Yep. And passes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, speed. Speed's yeah. even better than we thought it was. It, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so we talked about speed. We're done. Horse is dead. It is beaten. It is now a paste. <laughs> it is horse paste. paste? It's just oh, like ivermectin. We beat it is the movie that you take. Capitalize off the horse paste. <laughs> yes, we're done. Um, Sell the but, horse paste to people as medicine. Yes, <laughs> that's what he just said. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it must have cut out. I didn't hear that at all. Oh, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. All right. Uh, speed is horse paste medicine. But the other movie that I watched that I wanted you all to watch was Soul which I found very interesting from a person pursuing creative aspects perspective. I will preface this. I heard a group of people review the movie in a pretty negative light, and I had no desire to watch it because I thought I knew everything that it was about, and I thought I really trusted these people's opinion about watching the movie. But I... I went back and I watched it with Aaron because we're watching all the Pixar movies and um, I really enjoyed it in ways that I was not expecting, even knowing a lot about the movie ahead of time. So I kind of wanted to get your all opinion on it. And then I wanted to share some you know, thoughts about uh, being creative and and what the pursuit of that means. So let's start off with Missy. So I will preface this with I had no interest in seeing Soul. Uh, I was only watching it because you guys were like, hey, it's homework. I was like, well, I guess I'll do my homework because I'm a good student. <laughs> um, correction, I'm a nerd. Um, I thought soul was about soul music, which is not necessarily a genre of music I'm into. So I had no interest in seeing it. And then I watched it. And like 15 minutes into the movie, I was leaning forward in my chair like my phone was down and off, the computer was shut, and I was just like, this is so different than anything I ever expected. And by the end of the movie, like, it is one of the best animated films I've seen because it's so unique and it's so original. Like, it's just such... I've never seen quite a story like that. The closest I could come up with would be Inside Out. Oh, yeah. Dealing with an aspect of life that, you know, is never really dealt with in such a way. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. There there are different points I have for different parts of it, but for initial reaction, loved it. Highly recommend. Everyone yeah. should go watch. I, I will say that I also didn't really have any interest in seeing it because it just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't appeal to me. And I don't know why. I just was like, eh, I'll see it eventually one of these days. 
But actually, after watching it, I'm glad I watched it because it is, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I didn't think, I knew he was like into music. I didn't think it was going to be soul music, but I really enjoyed the way they presented the movie. And I really thought it was, it, it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. I thought they were going to make it, you know, I thought that they were going to have like the spark or the purpose that the uh, soul uh, 22 was trying to get like I, I really liked that they said it, it's not your purpose it's it's just something that makes you want to live and I really like that message and that message like I feel like really hit home because it's it's living is not about especially like I, I'll preface this with saying I just had a really bad week this past week really really sucked for me um, I was really really depressed and just kind of thinking about just everything and and so I feel like this movie really hit home with the idea of like it's not about living for your purpose. It's about living for those small moments that that's what really makes life worthwhile. I thought that that was so beautiful because especially for Pixar and for Disney and for movies in general, when when they, they have these movies, it's always about your purpose and living your dream and living your the living your truth or whatever it is but doing sometimes what you were meant to do or yeah doing what you're do. meant to do and for so many people it's that's not that's not it and so i thought it was so beautiful that it was about living it's about taking those moments that make life beautiful and that's what makes life worth living and that like i was sobbing at the end i was literally sobbing yeah. and i was on discord with tommy and Liam. i like muted myself and just like it's <laughs> not coming out of everything uh, i was, I was like they can't that. know uh, that's that's interesting because i i just thought that that was such a beautiful message because it's always what is your purpose and live your purpose in your dream yes you should live your purpose in your dream oh i'm gonna sneeze <laughs> So I, I will, no, I will okay. say this, Amy. I had a totally different message from it, and we'll talk about oh. that later. Let's get on to Tom yeah, real quick to see different message from it too. To see but how he's going, and I, I think that's the beauty of this movie is I, mm -hmm. I can see how there's multiple messages. Um, Tom, what did you think? I am in the same boat as you all. Uh, I was I most Pixar movies I'm not really interested in, but then when I watch them, I'm like, holy shit, that was a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was a really yeah, good movie. Pixar. How do they do that every time? They're they're so good, and I feel like in their their recent ones, the past decade, they've gotten a lot more adults, or maybe they're like maybe the studio is kind of like growing up with their audience a little bit. I knew Jamie Fox was the main voice actor, and I knew John Baptiste did the freaking soundtrack. And I don't know why I wasn't interested in this in the first place. Yeah. I love John Baptiste. I'm a pianist myself, and then knowing that he was in it, I was like, I should have immediately gone into it now before i talk about the story i want to talk about the fucking animation holy balls like oh my gosh <laughs> it is so good it is so good i love how they managed to capture that animated feel but putting it in an unbelievably hyper realistic environment like the lighting the textures i was the one thing i noticed was when uh the the main character when he had on his like brown suit yeah, and he was walking around, so the wrinkles in his suit were adapting to the entire environment and it was freaking me out. I was like, oh my goodness, Pixar's, they're so good at what they're doing. Um, so I love that. The message I took away though, 
at least how I was feeling like it. And this is something that I have been doing within the past year was just sometimes like you get so engrossed in the dream that you're trying to pursue that you forget about everything else around you and you stop enjoying those things. So like a helicopter falling down and landing in your hand or just like how beautiful the sun comes through like some of these trees. Like sometimes it's really good to just stop, take a moment and enjoy everything around you because you take those things for granted. That's the message I got out of this. And I was like, oh man, this movie, so good. So what I walked away from it was humans are very caught up in the idea that they were born for a specific purpose. And they're constantly being pressured to live uh, their life by someone else's design, whether it's a higher power, you know, God or some other spiritual entity, whether it's your parents pressuring you to get that, to land that job, whether it's, you know, the big, shiny, attractive light of, uh, of a job that society says this is what you should want. It, and this, the main character had all three of those ideas pressing in on him or pulling him in different directions. Like, you gotta go for this. No, you should be going for this. No, I'm gonna shame you if you don't go for that. And at the end of the movie, you don't know what he chooses to do. They intentionally leave it open-ended. And to me, it was like they were telling the audience, pursue what you want to pursue. Live your life for the thing that is important to you or, or what matters to you. Don't let anybody tell you what kind of career you should have. Don't let anyone pressure you. Don't fall victim to the, I was born to do this thing. And if I don't do it, then what am I? Figure out what you want to do and then do it. So I got kind of that uh, message, but I, I think what I got out of it in the end was you can choose to pursue your passion all your life. But when your life ends, like wherever you're at in there, you have to also just be happy with like that is the end. So it's OK. So you could stop and smell the roses the entire time in your life. Or you could pursue your passion, but either way, you have to be okay with those choices that you make along the way, and you need to kind of balance both of them. So I didn't think it was a movie about, like, don't get wrapped up in pursuing your passion. Um, I didn't think it was a movie about, you know, you have to, to look in the bright side of life more. I felt like it was a movie about, like, whatever decision you make, now that you know the consequences of either of them you have to be okay with. And that's what life is about. It's about making decisions and being okay with those decisions and not trying to go backwards and be like, okay, well I died, but now I need to go, you know, start again. And I think personally, that's what really struck me about this movie is that because it was left open-ended, there are several interpretations that you could have for the overall moral message of a movie, which is especially for a Pixar movie, I thought was very unique because they usually never do that. It's all about like, here's friendship or here's learning to deal with our emotions or here's about having, you know, a sibling relationship. But this one was kind of like, you know what? You're a creative person. You figure it out because it's going to mean something different to everybody. Look at that. Four different interpretations from a movie that felt yeah. it was a lot like interpretation. Yeah. The movie was just really life. good. Now, I, I do want to agree with Tommy. Um, 
the thing that shocked me the most about there, yes, I knew that like the animation style, like they actually did motion capture for playing piano and saxophone and stuff like that. To yeah, that doesn't surprise figure me. Figure that out, <laughs> which is great because it makes sense. Um, and I believe that they had to compose the music ahead of time, then do the motion capture, then put it back yeah. in. So it was like a whole layered weird process, which is you know, well, a lot of respect for it. I will say before you continue that, what they do and what they did with the Maya the Last Dragon, Disney's recent uh, animated film, is they will actually have like, they will choreograph a fight and then they will film that actual fight and then they'll animate over the fight instead of mo-capping it. Which I find interesting that they don't mo-cap some fights. Like, so I don't know if they mo-capped the actual piano playing, but sometimes all they'll do is just animate over it instead of mo-capping it because those piano notes, they were hitting the right notes when he was playing. So yeah. I was pretty baffled. Well, to me, that's the interesting part. Is, so when you write music for just about everything, you're writing music after the fact. Mm-hmm. And they had to take this because they chose music as a subject for the entire film. They had to take it and think about that music writing process in the entire inception of it. So... It's it, to me, it went really in depth with a lot of stuff they needed to do in terms of just like planning out ahead of time. Uh, what I, I liked is as soon as he died, the visuals for that were so like starkly different, but also worked together. And that, you know, bridge and the, the little like black sphere and everything's coming together into a point. And then like, you know, the, the soul caretakers, they all looked so weird. Everything looked totally different and distinct, but also worked together in a really unique way. I like how open-ended the ending was because I know that you you guys briefly touched on it, but I, I just really enjoyed, like, you don't, there's not really conclu- like a satisfying, there's a satisfying conclusion, but it's, you don't have to know more. You don't have to go and see, you know, what 22, who 22 is. You don't have to see what Joe does because it's not about that. It's, it's about you know, so much more than that. And I, I really liked that they didn't go kind of back into that. I, I like that, that they left it like they did. So if, if there was a, a message, I, I believe everybody could kind of agree upon that Pixar was trying to say is that Joe was knocking other people down and ignoring them while he was in pursuit of his own dream. And like he did with 22, he yelled at her and then she got in her own headspace and she became one of those like lost creatures in the the soul realm. Um, and he realized that mistake and he had to go back and save her from that spot. And that was him saying, you know what? I shouldn't knock other people who are trying to pursue whatever makes them happy in my pursuit to do something that makes me happy. So that I think was the overall like basic message of the film. But then because of the open ending, you also have a much deeper message that you can take about what the overall purpose of creativity is, uh, how you pursue your creativity. Is it more important to be happy in your everyday life and then, you know, just use your creativity as a side piece? Like, what is your passion? There's so many different things you could take from that ending, but you shouldn't ignore the, the, I guess, the core message of it, which is don't knock people down while you're trying to do what makes you happy. Well, and I think looking at that specific moment as well is if you have it in your head that you were meant for something or that that you have a calling to something, 
it doesn't mean that you're necessarily special because of it or unique because of it, even if you do have talent. Other people can also have that same inherent calling within them or or dream that they want to pursue. And, you know, he was screaming that the only reason you have this is because you were in my brain and so I gave it to you. You can't, this can't possibly be your thing too. So I think even if it was an accidental lesson, it, it still is an important lesson to think that many people can be pursuing the same thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, this is one person's thing. I guess I'll go find my own thing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I will say, I think one of the most impactful moments for me watching this movie was was the part where he's getting the haircut and he's like, oh. he's talking to 22 and 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 he's like you know oh thanks joe like it's nice to talk to you about something other than than jazz and he's like oh well, why like why haven't we ever done this before he's like oh you've just never asked and it's that idea of like you're so wrapped up in what you're trying to pursue that you're not engaging those around you as well yeah. and like trying to get the stories of those around you and i just i don't know i really like that moment i thought that that was like such a beautiful moment to add to it yeah to everybody has dreams and it's not enough to just talk about yours like you should be if you want other people to be excited for you with your dreams like you should be encouraging them and learning about their dreams as well connecting with people yeah i, like I, I think in general you know not just about our dreams but a lot of people including myself and you know everybody here everybody does it we are very selfish and we think about you know the things that we've done and what we want to do and we oftentimes ignore the people around us that help us all the time in our you know own selfish pursuits so yeah i I totally agree it, it was a, for me that was a very impactful moment in that barber shop where he's like well you never asked i'm still happy i'll still talk to you you know it's cool but you know i, I like knowing a different side of you because I only know this one thing that you choose to show and you also are not seeing what I am all about. It's about that equal give and take sort of balance thing. Which I think so many people, like you're saying, like we're, you know, we're all so selfish and we're, especially in the day and age of, of technology and everything, we're all so self-absorbed and wrapped up in our own worth and our own dreams and our own goals that we ignore those around us. I think that there's so, you can, you can live a beautiful life trying to connect to others and pursuing your passions at the same time and communicating your emotions about something with other people in your life instead of just your in not intention but desire right so like the relationship between him and his mom was broken because he knew that his mom didn't approve of his pursuit of of his dream and so he just tried to, to avoid it and, and and tiptoe around it and at the same time she was not having a healthy relationship with him because she was just being judgmental and dismissive about his dream without explaining like this is why i'm concerned it's not because i don't love you or or care about your dreams it's because i'm genuinely afraid because i saw what it did to your father like they were not having a healthy communicative relationship and i thought that was a unique thing to display as well especially because for a Pixar film, you're getting adults and children both watching, and, and adult children, like, all watching yeah. these films. So I thought it was a unique message to insert in there when talking about 
the pursuit of one's dreams or trying to figure out what to do with your life. Uh, I, I will say that that part hit home, especially for me, quite a bit because I only ever wanted to be an actor or do something with music, like be, you know, uh, in a band and be a musician. And our father very specifically was like, okay, but what's your backup plan? What, but what's your backup plan? What, what's your backup plan? And that's all he would ever ask is what my backup plan was. And he would try to get me to go to college and he would try to make sure that I had a secure financial future and stuff. And it drove a rift between us for years that I didn't realize until later because all he was doing was saying, I'm concerned about your future because I know how hard it can be. And I just want to make sure that you're going to be financially stable and happy and, you know, have a house and all food and stuff. He was saying that out of love. And I was saying, I don't care about that right now because I want to pursue my passion. And I was interpreting it as dad, all you think is that I am bad at what I do, that I am not good enough to pursue acting or pursue music and that my endeavors don't mean anything to you. The only thing that I mean to you is that I can get a job somewhere. And it was that total miscommunication that really separated us for a really long time because he loved me enough to say, look, this may not work and I need you to figure out like what you're doing with your life, just like Joe's mom was. And I was very much like Joe for a while where I said, no, I am going to do this and I want you to support me, but you're not understanding my passion. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to open yourself up to the other person's perspective. Dad and I have totally fixed our relationship in that aspect because now all he says is you're so talented you should pursue that stuff that you love blah 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 and now i'm going to college so it's like <laughs> we took the opposite <laughs> you know aspects of it and i'm setting myself up for a future as a backup plan but while doing that i've discovered that doing this sort of stuff with 1l2n is actually my passion so you can do both of them at the same time you just have to listen to more than just yourself that's a really good point. It's it's not just about like you want to listen to what like your heart tells you. You also need to take advice from those around you, not because they don't love you, but they have knowledge that because you're so hyper focused on what you want to do, you might not be thinking about and it might have helped you in the long run, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You should be pursuing something for you, not for someone else. But at the same time, you can't be so tunnel vision that you shut everybody else out who you're going to need. And I don't mean need as in use, but need as in emotional support, encouragement, um, advice, everything. You can't just make it all about you in your pursuit of something for you. So what do you all think Joe did? I thought the theme for a really long time was inspiration until it got closer to the end because it kept talking about things that had to do with inspiration and how, you know, he was inspiring this child to pursue music and and what his inspiration was. But and so I thought in the end it was going to end with, oh, I, you know, I decided to be a teacher because I can inspire the next generation. That's what I was um, thinking as well. But I'm glad they didn't end it like that because it would have sent too many specific messages while dismissing the other sides of it. But I feel like he's going to try to do a little bit of both. Yeah, because I think he, he is good at encouraging. I mean, he wasn't, then 
he now is. Yeah. I, I, he had the ability to. He just he didn't understand how to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was encouraging by sharing his passions, but not fostering other people's. Yes. Yeah. I it's it's very interesting because I don't I don't know what he's going to do after that. I want to say that he is going to keep pursuing his dream and he's going to be happy with the fact that he got the chance to do it. And he realizes that inspiring other people is not a bad thing as well. But yeah, everybody could also say, yeah, you know, he's going to be a teacher. Duh. Like, I think that's the greatest. As Obviously, we've we've again horse pasted this out. But the the open ending to the movie, I think, was its strongest suit. And the, you know, the music overall, because. Oh, yeah. Music was so good. Music was so much fun. So good. (laughs) I think we are done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In conclusion, go watch Speed, go watch Soul, and we'll give, we'll, I don't know, watch something else and we'll, I'm sure, talk about it later. Pursue your passion, but don't be a dick about it. And enjoy whatever genre you enjoy, but pursue coming up with original ideas. Okay, these are a lot of final words with nobody having oh, the final words. Let's who end this. Yes, yeah. The final word. Okay, figure well, out who gets the final word. All right. Well, so we are we're wrapping up. Let's let's get let's go on. All right. Let's let's leave. So thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you using your time. And we hope you enjoyed the shenanigans. If you want to reach us, you can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions, and we would love to hear from you. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help show your support for what we're doing, you can head on over to our Patreon. Thank you again so much for listening. And the last word of the day goes to Tommy. Take it away. Okay, so here's the thing about pooping, right? Is I am a speed pooper. I am absolutely 100% speed pooper. But when the diarrhea hits, I am not a speed pooper. I'm a fucking grandpa. I'm there for hours and hours at a time. So, thing is, kids, eat healthy.